You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the official free podcast of TheBarkBoard.com, your one-stop shop for all your Fresno State athletic news. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Reek, being joined by my co-host, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Lucio. How are you? Hanging in there. That was... Quite the game this past weekend. Um, again, uh, another one of those performances where the dogs do enough to win this one. It seemed like it, it's another one of those games where they come out to a slow start. I, is there some type of reason for the slow starts lately in these uh, last couple games? Yeah, for me, uh, you know, it's not the most uh, exciting or entertaining way they've gone about it, but it's been effective. Um, they pretty much knew Wyoming was not going to be able to move the ball very far. And if they could pin them deep in their own territory, they really weren't going <laughs> to. There's no way Wyoming's offense was going to go 90 yards. Uh, they might not do that against a regular defense, let alone Fresno State's fantastic defense. So I think they were pretty conservative on offense. They didn't have to push the the effort <laughs> too much. They just needed to give the defense that opportunity to keep shutting them down close in their end zone. And if they got enough possessions, they were going to score. And they saw um, Bulldogs, after about five straight punts back and forth between the two teams, they punched it in, and then they put up two more in the third quarter. So, you know, it was a recipe for success. It wasn't the, the most exciting and leaves you a little worried about the running game and the offense. But, I mean, really, the defense dominated, and you look at the box score at the end of the game, it's not all that bad. Bulldogs passed for almost 300, ran for over 100, it just wasn't the prettiest way going about it. Now, out of all players on the field, I think the one player that should be getting like player the the MVP award uh, so far this season, uh, I'm, I'm guessing that has to be the punter. The, <laughs> the punter needs to get that MVP award because right now, even when the dogs need to punt, he's been pinning that that uh, the opponents deep in their own zone, which gives the Bulldogs you know great field position, uh, helping them you know whenever they do get the ball back to be in great position to go down the field. Uh, I mean, how important is that to the dogs right now to have a, a punter that's being this reliable right now in the season? Yeah, I mean that was looked to me like a big part of the game plan. They they were certainly more than content with settling around the 40-yard line, not having to go for it on fourth down or kick a long field goal or anything like that, just punting it, letting their defense work for a couple downs and getting the ball back and trying trying again. And uh, Blake Cusick, he punted it six times, and five of them were inside the 20. I think at least four of those were inside the 15. A couple were inside the 10. And, yeah, they just gave Wyoming no chance of success. They... They had probably their best field position on the opening drive where they got into field goal range and scored their only three points. Then after that, it was just about the worst case scenario if you're the Cowboys offense that has trouble scoring already. And now you're at your own 10 yard line or so against Fresno State's defense. And you can thank Blake Cusick for that because, I mean, the playbook gets really limited when you're down there inside the 10, your own 10 yard line compared to starting off with a touchback at the 20 or 25. Now, I know that's not part of the game plan. That cannot be part of the game plan is, you know, just let the punter kick it away and we'll, we'll get the ball back. I mean, it, that that does kind of have to, you know, raise a little bit of concern for the Bulldogs there. Uh, but the defense has held the the opponents now in the last two games to six points, three against Nevada and now three against Wyoming. How huge has that defense been for the Bulldogs right now? Yeah, it's been very huge. And the the last two games, you know, weren't the greatest offenses they've seen. Nevada actually does have a good offense, but they didn't have their starting quarterback. Um, they, Wolfpack still presented some challenges, and they picked up a lot of yards, but the Bulldogs never gave up the points, just the three. Wyoming's offense is not very good. They haven't scored a touchdown on offense in two games. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you still give credit for Fresno State to holding them to three points, but you certainly – see what the matchup was going into that one um but i mean six points is incredible in two games uh, around the conference the next closest i believe is um 30 points in two games that anyone's given up so a pretty big difference there um let's see i know boise state has fared fairly well on defense they're giving up 20 points a game in conference play new mexico at 17 san diego state at 15 so big gap to fresno state giving up just three points a game and uh, it just seems like they're pretty dominant no matter 
what kind of uh, offense they're going to go up against in this conference. There's not a whole lot of balanced schemes. Um, you've got teams like uh, Hawaii that's going to throw the ball around but doesn't run it particularly well. Um, but New Mexico might be an interesting one just because they were used to be a triple option offense and now they're kind of a hybrid of a spread and they're doing a little bit of both. But uh, Fresno State, uh, they like that matchup as well. Now, how much of a concern does it have to be for the Bulldogs that the this offense sometime it, in the last few games, it looks like it takes them a while to kind of get going offensively, um, let alone even be able to run the ball. They've been struggling lately. How much of, of that has to start to concern the, you know, head coach Tedford that this offense is kind of struggling at the moment? Yeah. Um, you know, the, it seemed like they were kind of content with how it was going this past game just because they knew the defense was going to hold Wyoming for the most part. Um, they didn't have to push the effort on, you know, those drives where they settled for punts because they got the ball right back a few downs later and eventually they would score. But uh, that's probably not going to fly if they play a more competitive team, uh, a Boise State or a San Diego State, a team that's going to be able to put some points on the board and give Fresno State just as much fits on offense. Um, the Bulldogs really did respect Wyoming's defense, though. They, Wyoming's got a lot of talent on defense. They just don't have the offense to <laughs> let them do what they do the way that the Bulldogs are able to. Um, Nevada's front uh, defensive front was a little better than expected the week before, and um, they even gave Boise State some fits this past weekend. But, uh, yeah, something that's got to start clicking a little bit better. I think New Mexico's defense will be a better matchup where – they can kind of get that going again. Hawaii is a team that struggles on defense the following week. UNLV has been pretty poor on defense. So I think they've got a good opportunity in these next three weeks where they can really start clicking, get it going, not have to start so slow, and get it ready for Boise State. <laughs> yeah, especially at a, at a position that we, going into the season, we thought was probably going to be one of the deeper positions, that running back position. They've been struggling, and they've been struggling with injuries. Um, you know, what does that mean right now, having uh, having Hokit return and Mims sort of getting back in the lineup, Ronnie Rivers starting to get going? Uh, you know, how much more time do they need to start getting that that unit to start to click a little bit? Yeah, Ronnie had a couple of good runs there in the second half, and uh, Josh Hokit, he wasn't used a whole lot coming back from injury, but when he was, he was had a few good runs. Uh, it seemed like he was kind of in pain, though. He came off a little early on a drive. Uh, Mims, still, we haven't seen him used as much as he was against Toledo, where he had that big game, and uh, DeJounte O'Neal wasn't quite as big in the lineup this past week, but... Um, no, it's hard to tell. Are some of these guys not 100% or are there just not as many touches to go around when you have that many guys? Um, so we'll see. I, I think the idea last year was kind of to ride the hot hand. And for the first part of the season, that was Ronnie. And then he got hurt. And Jordan Mims was the guy. And Josh Hokett was the guy for some games. And this year, they just they haven't had someone really take off, except for Mims against Toledo. Pretty much otherwise, uh, it's kind of been just cycling them in and out, no one really taking off. And eventually I think that's going to have to break. Uh, as long as they're healthy, one of those guys are going to start picking up those big gains. Maybe it's Ronnie. That's kind of been the trend the last couple of games uh, that someone's going to kind of emerge and be the lead, at least, of that running back unit. Now, how much of that do you think that's contributing to it is the offensive line? Having to have it reshuffled here in the last in the last game kind of kind of had to to mess with the chemistry a little bit. How much do you think the offensive line is going into into that factor of why this running game is not getting going right now? Yeah, the O line was bad against uh, Nevada, and I talked to the offensive line coach Ryan Grubb, and he was first to admit that they played one of their poorest games that they've had since he's been here. Uh, his words, not mine. Um, but in the passing game, they've been keeping Marcus McMarion upright. They haven't had any issues there. Uh, but last week, they made some changes. They switched uh, Micah St. Andrew from guard to center. He flipped, or excuse me, from center to guard, flipped with Marcus Boyer, who started his first game at center. Uh, they moved Logan Hughes into left guard to replace uh, Nick Abs, who was in there because Natani Muti was injured. So they've had to kind of cycle and shuffle things around something that they've been trying to be prepared for, too. Um, but last week, not the greatest performance. They put up over 100 yards, a little over three yards to carry. But 
Uh, Wyoming really does have a, a good defensive front. They've got two all-conference players on their D-line and um, uh, an- another all-conference guy in the backfield for their defense. So uh, it may have been a better performance than it looks on paper or the- visually because uh, that's going to be one of their tougher matchups that they're going to see all year. So, you know, going back to that game, let's break it down a little bit. The offense right now, from what you were able to see, what the offense did against this Wyoming uh, defense, uh, just how good of a matchup was it? Where did they exploit the the Cowboys more, uh, more often and where did they struggle? So what's your overall assessment on this offense? Yeah, for me, it just felt for me like a team game plan that they weren't too concerned about the first half performance. Um they knew they were going to hold Wyoming, and if they won the field position battle, they were going to score enough points to win comfortably. It pretty much worked out that way. They didn't panic at all, which is good to see because there have been some games, uh, Minnesota being one of them, where if the offense isn't clicking, they seem to get a little tense and panic a little bit. But um, I think if the running game would have been a little more effective, they would have kept the chains moving a little more earlier on. Um, they, they kind of broke through in the second half with some scores, but... Uh, for me, I mean, they took a pretty balanced approach. The running game didn't work as well. McMarion had a pretty good day. Um, Jared Rice, especially, they went to him almost like three, three or four plays in a row <laughs> in the first half, and uh, he's really been emerging. He surpassed Keyshawn Johnson as their leading receiver in that game, which doesn't happen very often. Keyshawn's been the man almost every game the last couple of years. Uh, seven catches, 94 yards, and a touchdown for Rice, so... I thought they did a good job there, and they also did a pretty good job um, with their extended running game, those passes and sweeps uh, um, that are technically passes because McMarion is pushing the ball forward instead of handing it off. Uh, Rivers took 53 yards uh, as a receiver rather than a running back, so they kind of have that extended run game as well that we saw in the DeRuder era where... If you're going to take away the things inside, they'll try some screen passes and and some sweeps. And we haven't seen a whole lot of success with that this year. But like Jared Rice's big gain against Nevada, they set up one of those sweep or sweep runs that don't look very effective. The Nevada defense bit on it, and he launched one to Rice. And we saw it again in this game where Rice took that 35-yard touchdown. So they seem to be able to set up enough to get the scores and and win comfortably in these games, but we'll see if it comes down to the wire. We haven't quite seen the Bulldogs pull one out in that scenario yet, and that's the only thing that concerns me is if they do have to play from behind or down to the wire, we just haven't seen them execute under pressure quite like that. Now, how big has it been for uh, Fresno State to have a weapon like Rice right now who has been able to kind of get free and and really hurt this uh, these opposing defenses they seem to be integrating him quite nicely this season into the offense. You know, how huge has that been for the Bulldogs? Yeah, it's been really big because we talked all offseason and, and fall camp about how many weapons Fresno State had in just the receiver unit alone. And they had eight seniors. They had other talents. They brought in Micaiah Quick as a transfer from Oklahoma. Uh, you talk about Jameer Jordan, who has always been a, a good number two guy for the Bulldogs the last couple of years, now as a senior. Uh, Darion Grimm, who was at Nebraska for a while. Uh, Justin Allen is filled in. Um, Chris Coleman is starting to get a role for himself as a redshirt freshman. Just so many. Uh, Delvon Hardaway, who we really haven't seen much of this year, uh, targeted at least, uh, when he got his extra year of eligibility. All these weapons, but you know, only Keyshawn Johnson's been the guy that has cashed in. He's way ahead, uh, leading the team in receiving with 38 catches, 510 yards, and four touchdowns. The next guy is Jameer Jordan at 12 catches and 154 yards. No one else has more than seven catches, more than 75 yards. And you can credit that to Jared Rice stepping in. with it. He's got 26 catches for 350. And Jordan Mims is actually the team's third leading receiver. So they've had to get a little creative. They haven't quite gotten the uh, production from the receivers unit that was expected, but they haven't really dropped off either, thanks to particularly Jared Rice, because at his size, he's basically just a big slot receiver (laughs) a lot of the time, and uh, he's been most effective thanks to that. He's improved his blocking a little bit to where they can't just rely on him to be only a receiver. They've got to... He kind of gets forgotten about from times, especially on play action and 
boom, Rice just all of a sudden, you know, we expected him to have a better year, but to be the the number two receiver is a a little bit of a surprise. Now, eventually this is going to have to kind of open up the offense because they're going to have to start keying in a little more on Jared Rice, uh, maybe stick a a player on him to kind of try and bottle him up a little bit, which then is going to free up some of those other wide receivers. Uh, so eventually, you know, we might start to see some of those other guys start to get open uh, at some point. But that'll be McMarion's job to find the, those guys at that point. Uh, we'll see if that if that comes to fruition later on during the season, uh, if teams start to key in on Rice. But, you know, you touched upon the offense. Now the defense. How did they match up? Now, obviously, only three points in the game. But your overall assessment on how this defense did against the Wyoming offense. Yeah, really the only threat they were going to see against Wyoming was running back Nico Evans, who uh, he's missed a couple games with injury, but when he's healthy, he is just a productive senior running back. He had 192 yards at Hawaii, had 141 against Boise State on only 12 carries. He ran for 190 in their season opener. Um, Three out of the four games, he's ran for eight yards a carry or better. But against Fresno State, they held him to 58 yards on 18 carries. That's only 3.2 per carry. I mean, they pretty much shut him down for the most part, especially relative to the rest of his performances. And they did the same last week against Nevada with uh, Tua Tawa. Uh, He was the guy that was averaging 7.5 yards a carry and didn't do much of anything against the Bulldogs. Uh, The one thing Wyoming did that was a little bit different than what we've seen is they ran a lot of the read option. Tyler Vanderwall... Excuse me. Carried eight times for 35 yards, which uh, not something that they've done in the past. But they've made Wyoming have those long fields. They made uh, long third down situations. They made Tyler Vanderwall pass the ball a lot. 32 attempts, which is not what they're comfortable doing, uh, especially showing that he only completed 12 of them for 117 yards. So uh, I thought Fresno State matched up well just in their own right but to put him in the situations they did just the best case perfect scenario for fresno state's defense almost all game long um and yeah wyoming they've got to, they've got to figure some things out on offense going forward because yeah they haven't scored a touchdown in two games now so uh that's an offense that is uh not the most impressive but credit to the bulldogs for really executing the game plan just about perfectly now, before this game happened, you predicted that the Bulldogs would uh, would hold Wyoming out of the end zone. Bold prediction, but it came true there, Jackson. So, what uh, you know, moving forward, they got a New Mexico team. Can they do it again for a third game? <laughs> and New Mexico, there that's going to be the biggest offensive threat that they've seen in conference play so far. Which is not saying a whole lot, but uh, they are going to present a balanced attack, which is something they haven't seen yet. They played Nevada, who was without their starting quarterback. Uh, They played now Wyoming, that couldn't do much of anything. But New Mexico, uh, ever since they've gotten Bob Davey as their head coach and Fresno State has been playing them in the Mountain West, they've been a triple option team. And the Bulldogs have won all those games against the Lobos, uh, some of them more comfortable than others. Uh, But this year's a little bit different. They went out, they brought in a junior college quarterback, Sherryon Jones, who was a Tennessee bounce back for the played for the volunteers out of high school. So they've got a, a capable quarterback who can not only run the ball and execute some of those option schemes, but he can pass too. Uh, the Lobos, they've I believe their passing yards total right now at the midway point are more than any but one full season that Coach Davies been there. So they're passing the ball a whole lot more. Uh, Jones has thrown 12 touchdowns, six picks. Uh, so not the greatest, but it's a different element than we've seen from New Mexico in the past. And they've got the ability to score in bunches at times. Um, the, they've had a few really high-scoring games. Uh, last week, they come off of a 2018 loss to Colorado State, but they put up 50 on UNLV, 43 against Liberty, 42 against New Mexico State, and 62 in their game, their FCS game. Uh, so a little more of a threat and they're not only a threat but they're healthy which the Bulldogs didn't see in Nevada Uh, but again the Lobos they're not the best offense the Bulldogs are going to see still and um, the Bulldogs should have the talent advantage and uh, Fresno State should be able to kind of humble an offense that's been pretty productive so far. 
Now, facing this Bulldog defense, you know, is it going to be one of those games where the Bulldog defense cancels out the uh, the New Mexico offense, uh, which then means whatever the Bulldogs can do on offense should be the, the, the winning scores. Is that this type of matchup? Will the Bulldogs defense be able to cancel out that offense? I think so. Um, the one thing that I think makes this game a little bit different is that Wyoming's been pretty consistent. They they hadn't moved the ball very well against much anyone, and their defense has been good, but not put in good situations. Uh, Nevada, without their back or without their starting quarterback, um, knew they were going to be struggling a little bit. But New Mexico has kind of been all over the place. They've had some games where they've looked unstoppable. They've had other games where they lose to Liberty <laughs> University and. Um, it's kind of an odd, inconsistent pool that, of uh, performances that they've played. So I think this is kind of a game that's a little harder to predict than the last couple have been because you don't really know what Lobo's team you're going to get. They could uh, you know, really press the issue on Fresno State's defense and score a few points. More, I'm expecting more than the Bulldogs have given up the past couple of weeks, but... At the same time, uh, they've also had some stinkers, and Fresno State can certainly, they've shown they can make uh, lesser opponents play those kinds of games too. Um, But ultimately, Fresno State's defense, regardless of who they've played, they're almost guaranteed to keep teams under 30 points. Fresno State's offense hasn't had to score more than 30 points in some of these wins, but yeah, I think as long as the Bulldogs score a few touchdowns, get into the upper 20s, they should be able to walk away from this one with a W. And then offensively matching up against this this uh, New Mexico defense, is it something that they're going to be able to exploit? Um, should the the Bulldogs? Uh, well, let's let's put it this way: which way, which direction should this offense go in order to exploit this this New Mexico defense? Where would the, where are they going to find the most success? Yeah, this is uh, one matchup where Fresno State is going to have their receivers one-on-one downfield. We haven't seen them take some of those deep shots the last couple of games, frankly, because they haven't had to. Uh, just pretty much the passes to Jared Rice where he gets loose, and a lot of those are with his legs after the pass. Those have been the two biggest passing plays that we've seen in the last couple of weeks. Uh, New Mexico is going to try and stack the box, and they're going to let their corners play one-on-one. We'll see if they do that with Keyshawn Johnson. They might give him a little extra attention. But, um, yeah, so I know Marcus McMarion is going to be looking downfield a little bit more. Uh, it feels like he has some some good looks that he hasn't gotten in the last couple games. And if they are effective there, then maybe that opens up the running game a little bit more if they make New Mexico kind of get out of their comfort zone. Um, the Lobos are giving up 31 points a game. That's towards the bottom of the nation. 443 yards a game towards the bottom of the nation. More so in the passing game where they're giving up 271 yards. Uh, they've been a little bit better against the run, giving up 171. So this is a matchup much like we thought going to Nevada where the Bulldogs could pour on a lot of points. Wolfpack proved to be a little tougher than we expected. And we'll see about New Mexico because they do come off of probably their best defensive performance of the year in a loss to Colorado state, holding them to 20. Uh, they may, that might be a sign that you don't want to overlook them, but on paper, this looks like a game where Fresno state's offense should have one of their better days, um, should have more shots downfield than we've seen in the past couple of weeks. And, uh, should make New Mexico's threat on offense irrelevant, even if they can score. Yeah, so this is going to be one of those matchups that could uh, that could be, you know, it it just depends on which team shows up. It's Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde type of a game here for for New Mexico, and you just don't know which team you're going to get at what point. Um, but the Bulldogs should be able to come out and do something with the ball. Um, so we'll have to we'll keep an eye on that one. I know you're going to make the trip down to New Mexico. So this is going to be is this your first time heading to New Mexico to this one? Yeah, that's a first for me. I haven't been in New Mexico. I'm in Arizona, except the airport in Phoenix. So <laughs> it's going to be a new territory for me. And I, I, you kind of think of that place as a desert, but I think it's going to be kind of cold <laughs> this week. Shouldn't be as bad as Reno. So I don't see that playing a factor in the offense, but. 
Uh, definitely a different experience. And for the Bulldogs as well, with the Mountain West setup, they only go to Albuquerque every four years. So most of these guys is going to be their first time seeing uh, New Mexico. Now, I'll tell you what, Jackson. They, from what I hear, in New Mexico, they like putting uh, peppers in their all of their food. So <laughs> be careful what you order to eat there sometimes. So, But that being said, you know, the injury report. Where do the Bulldogs stand? Is there somebody coming back? Is there somebody we should not expect to be uh, making the trip? Yeah, the, probably the big one to watch this week is Jasad Haynes. Uh, we had mentioned that on the premium board last week that uh, Haynes was didn't look like he was going to play last weekend, which was kind of a surprise. He competed against Nevada, and um, he exited that game a little bit early, but you didn't think it was anything too serious. Uh, so we didn't see Haynes last weekend. Looks like... He may be able to return this week. I expect him to travel at least, and we'll see how much of him that the Bulldogs play this weekend. Um, doesn't seem to be a severe injury that'll keep him out for the season or anything like that, at least. Uh, otherwise, the Bulldogs have been in pretty good shape. They, they lost Muti, which is a big hurt, but they've kind of dealt with that for the last couple of weeks already. And then you've got Kasomi Mafi and Micaiah Quick, who have been kind of week to week and... Yeah, I'm not sure if they're going to come back anytime soon either. Yeah, so it seems like there's still some uh, some of the injury bug going around, and it, it's it's something that's not good to see sometimes, especially with a a mid major team to be experiencing so many injuries at this point in the season. Um, really can contribute to lots of different issues moving forward. Hopefully some of these guys are going to start returning back to the Bulldogs here fairly quickly, uh, but only time will tell as to how they're going to uh, recover. But that being said, Jackson, here, here we are again. Last week we talked about the Mountain West and how the things kind of got shook up. We're left again this week, kind of sitting here scratching our heads a little bit as to what happened last week. Granted, Boise State and San Diego State, both of them still won, but both of them struggled against their opponents. Boise State against uh, against uh, Nevada struggled, almost lost that game to a Nevada team that the Bulldogs held to only three points. Does this... What what do you think about that game? Does it look like Boise is not as invincible as people think they are? Yeah, and I'm going to get right back to that, and I'm going to take it a one step further even. It's not as relevant as the conference right now, but uh, the hunt for that New Year's Six Bowl, because Fresno State at one loss, they're in a realistic position to run the table. They're probably going to be favored every game out here, maybe underdogs at Boise, but if the Bulldogs win the Mountain West Championship, there's a shot that they could be in that game. And the American Conference really escaped last week. Uh, UCF, number 10 in the nation, looked for sure like they were going to lose to Memphis, and they pull it out by one point. Uh, USF as well, uh, they were looked like they had their uh, were up against the ropes, and they come back with 15 unanswered in the fourth quarter to beat Tulsa. And then you look in the Mountain West, Boise State nearly loses to Nevada. San Diego State wins at the last few minutes against Air Force in a weird game. I mean, those were four games that had one play gone the other way. The Bulldogs might be in the driver's seat <laughs> to go all the way to that New Year's Bowl now. The Bulldogs still have a lot to take care of, and it uh, looks like UCF at number 10, they may have to lose twice to give the Bulldogs a shot at that. So uh won't look too deep into that yet. Uh, maybe it'll be more relevant in about a month. But as far as the Mountain West goes, yeah. Uh, Boise State and San Diego State look a whole lot more vulnerable this week uh, after what they did. Uh, I mean, Air Force really could have had that game against the Aztecs in San Diego and uh, Boise State. I don't know if they were a little shell shocked still from from losing to San Diego State, or if maybe Nevada was a little tougher than we realized. But yeah, that was a a closer than expected game. And then Hawaii, they got poured on by BYU. So. Uh, you feel really comfortable about Fresno State, particularly with their schedule, because they don't have to play Utah State, who's the one other team that's really rolling right now. Yeah, I mean Utah State right now four and zero, two and zero in a conference, five and one overall, and that's a that's going to be a team that's going to be tough to 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 beat in itself. The only thing the Bulldogs can do right now is hope that they can. Uh, uh, you know, keep pace with the with Utah, um, and 
by the time the bowl game rolls around, be ranked higher because uh, that's who's going to determine who gets the the bowl game, the the championship game, right, Jackson? Yeah, uh, particularly because you know we had this whole whole ordeal with Boise State last year where. Fresno State, all signs indicated they should have hosted the championship game and it went to Boise due to the complications and they fixed that this offseason. The Mountain West said that's not going to happen again. You know, same situation Fresno State should have hosted. But this year, the Bulldogs do not play Utah State. So it's going to come down if they are the two division champions to the rankings. <laughs> and right now, if Utah State you know, wins out, they probably got the better resume because their only loss comes to Michigan State, who was ranked at the time they were number 11, and they barely lost that game. Uh, it's going to be a little more impressive than the Bulldogs lost to Minnesota. And um, The only other thing you can base off of is how they play against some of the better teams. They're going to have common opponents with Boise State and Hawaii, who are probably going to be the two biggest you can judge them on. So for Fresno State right now, you kind of hope Utah State loses somewhere along the line and then it comes down to the Aggies and Boise State in the final week to see who wins that mountain division and hopefully which one of those two comes to Fresno and not the other way around. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to say the least as to what's going to happen there. I mean, the Bulldogs were receiving some top 25 votes at one point. Has Utah received any of those, Jackson? Have you noticed any of that? Yeah, you know, last week the Mountain West had five teams getting votes, none of them quite they're on the the edge of breaking into the top 25 but um yeah right now utah state and san diego state are getting more love in the polls Uh, the bulldogs third in the mountain west and now i think boise state and hawaii are both uh, i don't think either one of them are getting votes right now so um yeah right now utah state uh is actually trailing san diego state in those uh extra teams receiving votes and then fresno state's getting a few uh down the line so the Bulldogs uh, in the AP poll, I think you counted out their number 36 right now. So could be a couple more weeks of teams falling ahead of them before the Bulldogs break into that. And now, in, in what's what's the interesting part is that because the Bulldogs are on national television a lot more, and I think they're a lot more than Utah State is at the moment, this could give them a little, uh, you know, a leg up as far as trying to get more points more votes in the uh um in the standings which could help them in the top 25 um is this a factor that could play in bulldogs advantage being on national television a lot more than the than utah state now, maybe this week because this week's going to be a 4 30 pacific time kickoff 7 30 eastern time so there may be some more eyeballs keeping an eye on fresno state to see what they're all about uh, these 7 30 home kickoffs on the west coast have kind of you know, not a whole lot of those East Coast voters, I think, are staying up to see how some of those games turn out. So that's kind of hurt the Bulldogs. And uh, but this game a little more favorable as far as getting eyes across the country and reaching out to some more of those voters that'll see that score before uh, they go to bed <laughs> on Saturday night. Yeah. So it all plays back to that Minnesota loss. Had the Bulldogs mm-hmm. not lost to Minnesota, they would have been ranked right now, probably. Yeah, I think every team that's undefeated right now is ranked, and that's in, that includes Cincinnati at six and zero. That's had a really soft schedule, and South Florida at number twenty one. Um, I think Fresno State would be right there with those two at this point had they been undefeated. And uh, even if they go, I think they would be eight and one if they keep winning going to Boise. I mean, that should be pretty close, if not at the top twenty five. Now, Jackson, you know, one of the other teams that you do cover is San Jose State, 0-6 at the moment. What does this mean for uh, San Jose State? Could there be a vacancy at that head coach position moving closer to the end of the season? You know, Brent Brennan was given a five-year contract, and he's only on year two. So uh, that's going to be a lot of buyout money at this point. And it's also, as bad as they've been, you've still got a first-time head coach that's coached uh, 18, 19 games at this point. So it might be a little early to pull the plug. I would assume he would get uh, at least three years. If things keep going really bad next year, maybe they take a look because you know the Spartan fans are not happy. Things are not looking good. It looked like they may have turned the corner a couple of weeks ago when they took Hawaii to five overtimes, but uh, they lost to Colorado State the week after at home, and then they just got destroyed by Army, fifty-two to three on Saturday. 
Um, it it kind of feels like the the hope that was there a couple of weeks ago has dissipated, and they may not win another game. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, um, they they have a couple chances maybe against a team like UNLV, but otherwise, uh, it looks like a, another ugly season and. They've got to make some changes or do something this off season to give you some hope that they're going to turn things around. Now, uh, looking at the the standings here and from what you've seen in the last couple of years, any hot seat predictions of which teams to look at that will probably have their coaches on their hot seat right now? You know, a couple of weeks ago, I would have said Mike Bobo at Colorado State because he's gotten a pretty big check over there, and um, they've recruited very well, and they've still been kind of mediocre and not quite competing for the Mountain West title. But they've put together two wins the last couple of weeks, which in a season that looked like was spiraling <laughs> quickly. They, they lost some ugly games. They lost to an FCS opponent, uh, Illinois State, I believe, by couple touchdowns that was not pretty at all but they kind of look like they've regrouped and maybe they can salvage this season um otherwise you know there's a lot of uh young coaches in the mountain west even at like a unlv where they're not doing very good right now Uh, coach sanchez has done a lot of good things to that program even though uh, they haven't had a whole lot of wins they're they're not a program that has been traditionally a winner and he's kind of brought some different elements there uh, the West, uh, besides UNLV and San Jose State, all those teams seem to be trending upward. So I think the West is safe. Um, the mountainside, actually, New Mexico's bounced back a little bit. Uh, Wyoming, I think you can cut them some slack for losing uh, Josh Allen and not having the best of years so far. Uh, Air Force has been a little bit down, but they beat Navy. And if they beat Army, they'll take a, home that uh, trophy between the military services. <laughs> and, and that's all that matters. They, for that <laughs> that, 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 I think that counts as a win for Air Force. So, And then you've got Utah State and Boise State at the top. So it uh, might be a clean off season for the Mountain West unless maybe someone gets poached the other way around. Uh, Matt Wells has Utah State looking really good. And this is kind of the second wave there. He started out really good and brought the Aggies to the Mountain West Championship at Bulldog Stadium. Then we didn't hear from the Utah State for a couple of years. They didn't look good, and now they're back. So uh, we'll see if maybe uh, he gets out while the offers come in this time. <laughs> now, what I find interesting to, uh, to to see here, I'm looking at the standings, and you had you were talking about Colorado State. Mm. Now they're not completely out of this. They're yeah. they're two and one in the conference, <laughs> even though they're three or four, three and four overall. They still have a shot at the championship <laughs> game if they can take care of business um, against Utah State. Now, have they faced Boise yet? Boise State will be uh, this Friday, I believe. Okay, so no, Col- this Saturday it'll be a Saturday game. So, so if Colorado can take care of Boise, and then if they find themselves with only one loss in the conference, and and then it's between them and Utah State. <laughs> I mean, at, at a, with a losing record right now, I mean, they could theoretically bounce back and still make it into the championship mm-hmm. game. You know, I, I had it right the first time. It is Friday, and Air Force UNLV is Friday, so you got a lot of Mountain West action this Friday. But yeah, Colorado State. When I I previewed this game when they played Hawaii in the season opener, which is odd. You have a season opening conference game, and man, they were really good on paper. Like I said, they recruited very well. They brought in a four star quarterback from Washington and a four star receiver from Tennessee. All signs indicated that they should have been one of the better teams in the Mountain West this year. And then they just came out flat. They they lost to Hawaii, which was their double-digit favorites. They got destroyed in that rivalry against Colorado. They barely squeaked out a win against Arkansas, one of the worst power programs this season. Got destroyed by Florida, lost by a lot to Illinois State, which is an FCS program. So, yeah, one and four, you thought they were doomed. Um, but, yeah, the last couple of weeks they've put together a couple wins. Um, they've made a, they had a bye week before those two games, so they were able to readjust a little bit. Um, they, they, we'll see if they're for real, though, against Boise State. And that's probably good timing for them, too, because the Broncos haven't looked very great the last couple of weeks. Now, everybody, from what I can tell, everybody is still, um, you know, has a shot at the championship game other than Air Force, Wyoming, uh, UNLV, and San Jose State, who all have not won in conference yet. All of those teams, those four teams have been eliminated from championship contention right now. 
basically, uh, unless everybody else starts losing every single game, <laughs> which I don't see that happening. Um, but right now, the front runners, you've got Utah State in the Mountain West, uh, in the Mountain Division, Utah State, Boise State, and Colorado State, all with a shot at the championship game. And then in the West Division, it's Hawaii, San Diego State, and Fresno State, all the front runners in the, those divisions. So three teams each side all have a shot. And, uh, you know, what are some of the key matchups this weekend that could determine a little bit more about what's going on here? Yeah. Well, as we mentioned, Boise State, Colorado State's going to kind of indicate where those two teams are at right now. If Colorado State can make a run or if it's going to be just Boise State and Utah State down the stretch, um, or even New Mexico only has one loss. So, they don't want to get into a two-loss hole, which would be tough for them. Uh, but otherwise, probably Hawaii-Nevada is the one to keep an eye on because if Hawaii wins that game, they'll be 4-0 in conference play, and they'll be coming to Bulldog Stadium the next week, which could be you know one of those teams might get knocked out of the, the title race in that one. Both of them will have to play San Diego State later on in the year, who's also undefeated. But, I mean, whoever wins that game is going to have a certainly a, a leg up going down the line and they kind of start for Hawaii this week because they didn't play very well against BYU. Uh, They got their quarterback Cole McDonald back from injury, but weren't quite the same on offense. So if Hawaii falls to Nevada this week, that kind of puts a damper on their chances to come into Fresno state and compete. But again, if they win, they're four and no in conference. And if Fresno state wins and they're three and no on conference, that becomes a huge game, probably hit ESPN two. They're still deciding on that one. And it'll be homecoming for Fresno State. So hopefully the that might bring in a bigger crowd to Bulldog Stadium than we saw last weekend. Yeah, so things things could still uh, get very interesting this next week. Can can San Jose State get off of the schneid and beat San Diego State? <laughs> I don't think so, but crazier things have happened. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, you know, Nevada-Hawaii, that's another great matchup. That's going to help uh, determine a little bit more about what's going on in the West Division. Um, Colorado State and Boise State, another good one to watch. So that, you know, there's going to be some good games this week that are going to be very big implications of what this Mountain West uh, title game is going to look like. You think we might have some upsets coming up here? You know, the Boise State-Colorado State game strikes me as one, the timing of those two teams that I expected to be kind of competitive, and Boise State is 24-point favorite, so it's kind of a lose-lose for the Broncos. (laughs) They have to pretty much blow out the Rams or it's going to be seen as a disappointment, and it's on national TV. So, I mean, I think the pressure's on the Broncos and Colorado State is a lot more talented than their record shows. I still expect Boise State to win, but even if it's close, it's going to be a kind of a blemish on Boise State, and especially if they're going to try and play from behind here and try to get that Mountain West Championship game at home, uh, which would require that win against Utah State and some other things to go their way at this point. But that's probably the one I keep my eye on most. And then Hawaii-Nevada, uh, it's almost an even line right now, and uh and we've seen Nevada's tougher than we expected, so that game can go either way. <laughs> well, how much of that was actually uh, Boise State kind of having a hangover and kind of trying to figure out what happened against San Diego State, and then to go into Nevada and pretty much duplicate what they did last game <laughs> and struggle against the Nevada team that really they shouldn't have struggled against? Uh, you know, is is the cracks beginning to show on this Boise State team? I'll give some credit to Nevada just because we were there the previous week and Nevada's defense surprised us for sure. Uh, The Bulldogs only put up 21 points and they didn't have to do much more than that. But um, Nevada proved their defensive line uh, is competitive and they were a little bit better than (laughs) the statistics showed going into that one. Um, Fresno State, uh, they were a little bit fortunate. They didn't have to see their starting quarterback and the defense dominated otherwise. But um, yeah, we'll see this week if Nevada can go to Hawaii and win that one. Uh, we'll know that the Wolfpack are a little more competitive and that Boise State really had to earn that one. Uh, opposite, if Hawaii dominates Nevada, maybe we can chalk it up to Boise State not being as good as we expected. Now, if Hawaii dominates Nevada, what does that mean for a, a Hawaii team that's going to be coming here to Fresno State? Yeah, that, that'll give them a lot more momentum because right now it's kind of – 
dissipated. They got off to an amazing 6-1 and one start. They doubled the wins that they were expected to get this year already in the first half of the season. And uh, it all kind of washed away against BYU. The Cougars, went. they had a quarterback change. They started a true freshman and looked like Hawaii might have a shot at it. And they just weren't in it from the beginning. And it just seemed like uh, the offense wasn't quite where it was before McDonald was hurt. So this is a big one for Hawaii to kind of prove whether they are real and they're back to where they were in the first half of the season or if they've taken a step back. Now, Jackson, I think this game that Hawaii has against Nevada, a little extra motivation for the for the Rainbow Warriors. One win, and they're in. Uh, they've locked up the Hawaii Bowl, and it's a little extra motivation for us as well because then that means the Bulldogs don't need to go to Hawaii for a bowl, yeah. right? <laughs> so, should we be rooting for the Hawaii next week? How, how do you how do you feel about that one? <laughs> yeah, because even though they've got six wins, Hawaii plays thirteen games, so they're not guaranteed a bowl until they hit number seven, and they're not quite there yet. Um, and the schedule gets a lot tougher for Hawaii because after Nevada, they come to Fresno State. They've got Utah State. They've got San Diego State still to play. So. I mean, if Hawaii isn't quite as good as their record shows, those are all three games they might drop. Uh, They do get UNLV at home, so that might be their chance to declare themselves bowl eligible if they start spiraling here. But yeah, uh, as far as Fresno State goes, it looks like they're not going back to Hawaii, which I'm sure the fans will appreciate. (laughs) And uh, uh, more so for the crowd this next week at home when Hawaii comes to town. If uh, Hawaii seven and two and four and zero oh in conference play, uh, you hope that might be some extra motivation to get the marketing push going and get people in the stadium for that one. Yeah, and definitely, I mean, for us, it's a it's a great motivation to have Hawaii win, uh, both for them to get into the Hawaii Bowl, but also to have that record coming into Bulldog Stadium uh, should make for a great matchup and something that hopefully will draw the crowd here to Bulldog Stadium after last week's uh, showing. Kind of disappointing, don't you think, of how many people showed up last week? Yeah, you know, I thought it was more than the announced total, which was about 28,500 fans, which that was disappointing. I think uh, there's probably more people in the stadium than the home opener against Idaho, which uh, was calculated probably by some season ticket holders that were doing other things Labor Day weekend and weren't there. Um, but the crowd that was there was loud on third downs and all that. They did fine, but... Yeah, when Fresno State's doing this well to only draw 28,000, that's really disappointing. And, um, you know, hopefully if the Bulldogs keep winning, they'll get in the top 25 and get some of that buzz going that will reach the casual fan that maybe was at the fair or doing other things last weekend than being at Bulldog Stadium. Because, you know, even though the Bulldogs lost to Minnesota, this could really end up being a special season. And, uh, I mean, they're just about favored in every game the rest of the way as it stands right now and uh, especially against Hawaii in a game that's going to have a lot of implications that you'd hope that the red wave shows up yeah so it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen here in the next few weeks uh, Fresno State travels to New Mexico to face the the Lobo, they're the Lobos right yeah <laughs> I, I wanted to make sure because there's two New Mexico so I always get those mixed up sometimes um, so they're going to face the Lobos in New Mexico and that one that one will be televised uh, I believe ESPN U right mm-hmm. ESPN U so you can tune in there to watch that or you can watch uh, listen to it on the radio on ESPN 940. Um, kickoff time looks to be what? Fourth, no, is it 4.30? Yeah, it'll be 4.30 here in Fresno and it'll be 5.30 local in New Mexico. So that's going to be an early game. Yeah, for us. <laughs> One of those rare games that we get to have a midday game to watch. Uh, unlike those, like, those games whenever they travel to Hawaii where you could start watching it at 10 o'clock at night for the Hawaii games. But this one's going to be at 4.30 in the afternoon here local, which should be a good one uh, for people to kind of tune in to watch. Uh, I know I'll be able to watch that a lot easier than a 7.30 game. So hopefully uh, a lot more people will tune in and see what the dogs are all about, which will in turn help bring in the crowd um, next weekend uh, for the Hawaii matchup. 
then after that, it's back to uh, UNLV, back to Las Vegas for that matchup uh, after the Hawaii matchup. And that game right now is looking looking like uh, it should be another easy one for, for the Bulldogs after what UNLV has been able to do so far this season, right, Jackson? Yeah, UNLV is... Uh, they've taken a downturn the last couple of weeks. Now, when they played New Mexico two weeks ago, uh, the Rebels had 15 yards in the third quarter at one point. I'm talking about the first, second, and third quarters combined. <laughs> I checked into that score, and uh, they had 15 yards and one first down, when I, <laughs> and it was the second half, which, uh, yeah. So UNLV, no real threat on offense, particularly. They've struggled in the passing game, and that looks like another one for Fresno State where if they want to, they can just dominate with defense and win ugly again. <laughs> but that might be one that they can force a few turnovers and make it a little more lopsided. Now, after UNLV, then it's back home again uh, where the Bulldogs face Boise State on a Friday night. Uh, so that one's going to be prime time, right, Jackson? That's going to yeah. be probably ESPN2, if I'm guessing correctly. Uh, that one's going to be on the road. Um, they got to go back to oh, the Oh, that's right. Turf. They uh-huh. go back to the Blue Turf. I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) But, um, yeah, that one is set for ESPN2, yeah, on a Friday night. So not quite what we expected with Boise State losing a conference game already, but still you anticipate that one's going to be big in uh, both deciding which one of those teams can make the conference championship and possibly host it. And then it's back to Bulldog Stadium. Then, Then it's back to Bulldog Stadium where the Bulldogs will face San Diego State which could have a lot of implications in the uh, championship matchup. Um, after that one, they bring it back again to Bulldog Stadium, where they'll face San Jose State, who will look to kind of spoil the party, as they did when Derek Carr uh, had this team ranked. Um, and in that, and then that will determine exactly where we're going to be at as far as what bowl games the Bulldogs will be heading to, if they're going to be ranked in the top 25, if they'll have a chance at that New Year's Bowl. Uh, who knows? At the moment, if the dogs just need to keep winning out and hope and get some help elsewhere in order for that to happen for the Bulldogs. But things are looking promising as long as the dogs are able to keep winning. Um, any final thoughts, Jackson, before we wrap this one up? Um just that uh, basketball is uh, just around the corner um, I think the first scrimmage is in two and a half weeks, November the 2nd I believe is when they're going to tip off their exhibition and then the 5th is their home opener, I'm going to double check that but today was Mountain West Media Days for basketball the Bulldogs were picked 5th in the Mountain West which you know, after losing Bryson Williams, uh, going through a coaching change, maybe that's not so bad and you feel like outside of Nevada they have uh, just as much of a shot as anyone else to maybe be the second best team because Nevada is just stacked and they've got really high expectations and uh, it would be a huge shock. Um, So November 2nd, they're going to host Humboldt State for an exhibition, first chance to see them in action. And then Tuesday, November 6th, Alaska Anchorage comes to town for the real home opener, uh, season opener. And uh, we'll get our first look at what Coach Justin Hudson basketball looks like at Fresno State. And uh, stay tuned for that as Jackson and I will start uh, to roll our coverage over towards basketball as well. Uh, so, you, you know, start looking at the website for some basketball coverage if you're a basketball uh, fan. Uh, and we will do what we can to try to get all that information for you. That being said, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. If you're looking to reach out to Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at uh, JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at RedWaveReport. And uh, find us on the board, so just look for our names and you can find us on there, uh, as well as the Facebook page. Look for the BarkBoard.com Facebook page and become a member as we post all the latest updates uh, from all the latest news stories that we post on on the website. Again, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Join us back again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.